Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to keep you from losing a lot of money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put this thing into context. Call me 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Sometimes it's just a confluence of small things. A, a few negatives here, a couple of oddities there, throw on some history, and you start to get a little perturbed. Suddenly, the idea of taking something off the table makes some sense which is how you got to today's sell-off for the Dow plunging 710 points, S&P plummeting 2.59%, NASDAQ nosediving 2.19%. This was a recognition that the bull camp and the bear camp, which I've been telling you about, can't exist at the same time. There cannot be coexistence. And with the huge COVID outbreak and the Sun Belt spiraling out of control... Bears in charge. So why don't we do this? Let's suspend judgment, not use any terms about good or bad, or and just take a dragnet approach, just the facts, man. What are the new facts? First, the awakened America trade has taken a turn for the worse. Now, I some people expected that. I didn't. All right. It's a disturbing spike in COVID cases across Alabama, Arizona, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Texas. The infection level so high that the governors of New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut have taken an unusual action, no highly unusual action, and slapped a 14-day quarantine on travelers from these hot spots. That's really pretty amazing. Nationwide, we have more than 35,000 new cases today, which is about where these numbers peaked in April. Not good. It's just plain bad news for everything that depends on the economy reopening, which is a lot of a lot of things. If the awakened America trade is losing, that means the stay-at-home trade is winning. But the stay-at-home stocks have already had huge runs to the point where they've reached nosebleed territory. The Nasdaq just had its biggest rally since the fourth quarter of 1999, the last full quarter before the dot-com bubble burst. As someone who traded through that period, I never want to hear anything that sounds even remotely like Q4 1999, where the high flyers exploded to insane levels in a series of parabolic moves only to crash a few months later. Now, as David Faber, my partner at First Squawk on the Street, pointed out, reminded me, the prices we saw back then in 99 were absurd given the lack of earnings or even sales at some of these companies. Today, the tech, which is the leader, is very different. I mean, look at the big five, which, by the way, my travel trust owns every single one of these. Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Microsoft. They're all immensely profitable. They all have great growth. Rather than plummeting, I expect these stocks to right themselves. That's how I look at it write themselves pretty soon. And I wouldn't count out the Zooms or the Octas or the Ring Centrals, the Toyos, the Etsys, the Wixes either. They're going to bounce back. They have too much growth not to. But coming into the session, these stocks had eight straight days of rallies. That's unnatural. When you get that kind of move, it always brings in sellers. And that's because people start thinking that they're parabolic. Parabola is something that goes like this, okay? And parabolas don't last. They just don't. 
Now, in the past, every one of these big sellers has brought in new buyers for these stocks, and I think it probably happened again. Last night, we highlighted some work from Larry Williams, who demonstrated that buying stocks in the two days before the July 4th holiday was remarkable. A terrific trade, okay? Uh, but when we get sellers today, uh, got sellers today, the buyers did not feel emboldened. And, of course, I do worry about what happens right here after this. Now, why? It's because I'm going on vacation for the first time this year, and every vacation is always ruined by a sell-off. So just take that. that. I know that's kind of like saying, well, I, you know, when I see certain signs in my head. No, but Kramer goes on vacation, market crashes. Happens. Second fact, Joe Biden's campaign is looking really stronger right now than it was, okay, even though he's not doing that much campaigning that I've seen. There was a story on the front page of the New York Times, quote, Biden's war chest swells along with the polls, end quote. Hey, now, Joe Biden's not Bernie Sanders. But he does want to roll back Trump's big corporate tax cut. He has said that. If we raise corporate taxes, that knocks a ch- sizable chunk of profits off the S&P 500. If you drop the profits of the S&P 500, then theoretically stock prices should go down. Now, it's not necessarily bad policy. That's not, Remember, it's just the facts, man. But it's bad for the stock market. Biden also might raise the capital gains rate on the rich, uh, make them, say, uh, equal to ordinary income rates. You'd expect that kind of thing to cause a rush of selling before the election. Again, not saying it's going to. But it's got to be in your head. Now, again, the election, the election is far away. But with COVID flaring up, it's going to be much harder for things to go back to normal. How can sports come back if Southern teams aren't allowed to play New York City? I mean, you have to have quarantine and hold on league in a single bubble. Now, we keep hearing they might do that for the NBA in Florida. But now Florida's a COVID hotspot. And most of us who follow sports very intensely are beginning to believe that none of this stuff is going to happen. What about the froth? If you eyeball the stocks that retail investors can't get enough of, the sectors jump out at you. Well, it's the airlines and the cruise lines. Now, these are the two worst sectors in the entire market in terms of balance sheets. And they're the two of the hardest hit by the pandemic. Well, that's not good. The other thing, ones that startled me, I saw a huge number of stocks that are simply too small to talk about on this show. They trade heavily on a key online site. Most are garbage. There are more talc boards and chart gurus around right now than I've seen in ages. Not good. Many of these pump and these penny stocks are pump and dump schemes. At least the airlines and the cruise lines are being kept alive by the Treasury and the Federal Reserve, respectively. Their bondholders should be okay. But I'm not so sure about the people on the common stock. Come on, people. I'm saying buy quality. I'm begging to buy some quality. If your quality goes down, you can buy more. I got a couple more pet peeves. Gold's been soaring, historically not good uh, mean, for stocks. Meanwhile, after rallying for weeks, oil's now headed back down thanks to high inventories and stocks for some reason like high oil. Finally, as I've told you before, lots of momentum-based mutual funds have been buying stocks aggressively every time some analyst raises their price target, even if their reasoning is repetitive. When stocks go up on the same old, same old, you know the move isn't early. It needs a reboot. Now, I want to be clear about this confluence of negatives. They can all be potentially handled. The virus can be beaten by social distancing and mass, okay? Biden's not a sure thing. Even if he wins, he won't necessarily have the votes to raise corporate taxes. The high-flying tech stocks become more attractive as they go lower if they're the ones that are the good ones. Oil prices can rise on renewed demand. Gold can go down in supply. The purveyors of froth can and probably will be blown out. Most importantly, though, stocks are the only game in town. It's awfully hard to stay in cash when it yields next to nothing. Bonds represent very little value, especially the higher quality ones. Meanwhile, the yields of some great American companies with little economic sensitivity will get very enticing as their stocks go lower. And look, the biggest companies, the ones that have led this rally, as I said, aren't all that expensive. There are too many momentum players right now. But when it comes to the big gun stocks, I bet they they, they quickly uh, will create some good buying opportunities. And remember, they're going to take a buying opportunity for this right here, and then the market goes down, and maybe it happens again. Which brings me to the biggest curse word 
of now, of this present moment. The word sell. Last night, I recommended trimming some positions and raising some cash as we are doing with my charitable trust, which you can go see what we're doing if you go to Actions Alert. You go to ActionsAlertPlus.com, and you can see all the... You'll find out here this. this way, if you go there, you can see what I mean by trim. My comments were greeted with total contempt on Twitter, as if I were selling everything and telling you to go short. Some people treated me like a moron because when you sell, you have to pay taxes. Others acted as though I told you to abandon the entire asset class to run. To sell. But I never said that. I never said leave the table. I said take something off the table. I want you to raise a little cash so you can put it to work buying stocks at lower levels. Whenever I hear these sirens of buy and hold, I think buy and homework. Right now, the homework on some of these stocks being bought crazily by retail investors shows suboptimal fundamentals of any fundamentals at all. As for the tax man, okay, the only time you don't need to pay the taxes is when you have no profits. Paying capital gains, high quality problems, especially with the low rates. The bottom line, when I am castigated for telling you to ring the register on small parts of your of your holdings, as I am doing with ActionAlertsPlus.com, that's when I know it really is time to worry. James in Florida. James. Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. My stock is public storage, PSA. I've been in it a long time, and I'm playing with the house's money. But with people not paying rent on storage units, uh, it's been falling lately. Should I... Sell it all and buy something else? You know what? Do you know that was one of the first stocks that bottomed after the 2007 crash? Uh, I remember the late Justin Mame was telling me that was the one to buy. It is really well run. You know what? Those people are going to have to pay rent. They are. I don't want you to sell that stock. I think those people right now aren't paying rent, but they will pay rent. So let's keep PSA. I want to go to Steve in Maryland. Steve. Jim, what's going on? Thanks for having me. I'm 24. I'm a new investor. Started in March when I knew the market would crash. Got in on some good deals. This company I'm calling about has been hit a bit hard because of the pandemic. Their stores are not all open yet, but the stock has already started to climb back up from their lows. I want to know your thoughts on Ross, ticker symbol ROST. Is it a buy? Yes, it is a buy. And I'll give you another one. Burlington is also a buy. Uh, I think Ross is terrific. It's been uh, kind of slower of late, but you are doing 24-year-old buying Ross, which is going to take the merchandise from failed department stores and sell it. That's what I want people to do. He's not talking about buying Ross Cruise and, and, and airline company. He's talking about buying a real company. Yeah. You know, when you can, you know, ships and tops and all these things, the fierce because it has four letters doesn't mean it can be bought. All right, today, we saw what happens when you get a conflict of negatives. I want you to do some homework in your holdings. It's okay to trim. Trimming is not a curse word. If you think it's a curse word, there's a lot of other stations. You can watch them. I mean, we can bleep out the word trim. Maybe we can do like... All right, I'll make money tonight. Many new retail investors are trading with stars in their eyes. So I'm getting the real on the space and rankings where the most popular... Getting real where the popular retail trading stocks stand because this is a real... It's an issue. Then one of the nation's top grocery chains is trying to come public again. I'm telling you everything you need to know about the IPO, including why third time may actually be a charm. Plus the business of reopening. I'm going one-on-one with someone real smart. The governor wrote on. Find out about a plan. Yes, a plan that spans the small state and beyond. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Hey, say what's happening, man? Tip T.I. Harris right here, the king good. Welcome to 10 Songs That Made Me, a new show that invites artists and influencers to explore 10 of the tracks that made them who they are today, as creators and as people. You'll hear the soundtrack to my life in the very first episode, but make sure to tune in every week for new episodes. Follow and listen for free, only on Spotify. the market rolls over like this, some of the hottest momentum stocks around just get crushed. Last night, I mentioned the list of popular retail trading stocks that David Costin put together in his recent Goldman Sachs strategy report. Tonight, I want to give you a little analysis of these momentum names because somebody should be doing homework on them, even if their buyers won't do it. The most popular Penn National Gaming, regional casino operator, now owns a controlling stake in Barstool Sports. We just had him on. This one's actually about Dave Portnoy, the colorful personality who founded Barstool and is now heading up his own bucket shop, Davey Day Trade Global, where he does admit what he loses as opposed to the other people who actually are losing not their money, but yours. Long-term, Penn National has a lot going for it. Their casino and racetrack properties have very little competition because it's a regional operator, and eventually pro sports will come back, which means they'll have pro sports gambling. When that happens, Dave Portnoy and CEO Jay Snowden, whom I like very much, can make beautiful music together. The only problem here is that the stocks run so much, which is why it got eviscerated today on renewed COVID fears, as these new outbreaks make it less likely sports will come back. And they also mean fewer gamblers for the casinos. That's why the stock plummeted nearly 10% today. The short term is rough, but it's a compelling long-term investment, which is why I'm giving it three stars. Second is Moderna, which is the highest risk of the COVID vaccine plays, hence why it rallied today. In terms of the race for vaccine, I think Regeneron, Merck, Pfizer, Glaxo, AstraZeneca, Johnson Johnson, all tightly clustered with Moderna. The difference is that if Moderna fails, they'll lose a fortune. But if the others fail, it's no big deal. And look, I hated how these guys talk positively about their vaccine and then immediately dumped a huge amount of stock. One star on the Kramer Constellation Index. It rallied today as COVID cases spiked, but so did a lot of the other vaccine plays, mostly tertiary ones. Third is Tesla, a stock I've loved for almost 700 plus points. I like it even more after today's 4% pullback based on negative quality survey that I don't believe in anyway. Four stars, five if it keeps coming down. Fourth, there's Royal Caribbean. This is a well-run company in a terrible industry. There are lots of trips being booked, but right now these companies simply can't cruise. And the day when they can reopen keeps getting pushed back. Norwegian's a better operator, though really the whole group is in trouble here until you get a vaccine. As for Royal Caribbean, even today, after, after the 11% beating it took, I can only give it one and a half stars with this new COVID outbreak, making it unlikely they'll set sail anytime soon. Fifth, Snap, parent of Snapchat. Big comeback story. I bet it'll have some runway because there simply aren't too many comebacks around in the Internet space. While Snap beat the numbers in its latest quarter, it's still losing a fortune. I'm going to give it two stars. Pretty aggressive. Honestly, Facebook and Alphabet are better buys. Pick up a fractional share in one of them rather than a full share in Snap or any of these others, for that matter. Six, MGM Resorts, pretty good casino chain, but there's a pandemic one, and they got a lot of ton of exposure to China, which I don't like. Too complicated, especially since Penn National's already on the list. How about two stars? Number seven, Spirit Airlines. Loser. Been a loser for ages. If you insist on owning an airline, Southwest the best run. Uh, it's the best run, but I do not like the airline stocks. Not at all. Spirit gets half a star. Mark is not much better, by the way. 
Eighth is Norwegian Cruise Lines, which I already mentioned. Best house in a real bad neighborhood. Best cruise in a real bad sea. I give it two stars. Again, the clock is ticking against this group and the downside's deep. Nine, GoPro, Gizmo stock. They make those wearable cameras. GoPro's been a dog for years. These novice traders only like because it trades at $4 a share. Either, enough already. I say, you want a device? Go buy an Alexa. Take the four bucks, go buy an Alexa. One star for the stock that's a long past its sell-by date. Finally, there's Marathon Oil at under 6 bucks. Ask yourself, would you really want to own Marathon if it were at 60 bucks? In other words, would this stock still entice you if they did a 1 for 10 reverse split? Obviously not. You like it because it seems cheap because of the low dollar price. It isn't. Marathon Oil is a one-star company right now, especially with crude rolling over today. Finally, in fact, I just like that whole industry. But I can't think of a three-star name in the group. It's called Parsley Energy. I recommended this stock two weeks ago when it was at 8. I'm going to re-recommend it right now at 10. Parsley is the only oil company with great growth, a great balance sheet, great properties, and a firm understanding of the current anti-fossil fuel zeitgeist. If you own Marathon, make the switch. I know these are not high marks. But that's because most of these companies are not in great shape, as these new retail investors keep buying low-quality, single-digit stocks. So please, before you buy something, learn what the company does, figure out if they're any good at it, be able to explain it to somebody else, and consider what could derail the stock's trajectory. Without that, you have no idea how to have to handle days like today. And sadly, you'll end up selling them much lower than they are now. I want you to stick with Kramer and, of course, stick with Scott Wabner. Here's a peek into what he has tonight. Tonight at 7 p.m., a Florida official on its skyrocketing case count and tri-state quarantine. Plus, as Houston's hospitals approach a tipping point, how one of the city's top doctors is dealing with the crisis. And one Las Vegas hotel taking it a step further when it comes to protecting your health. All tonight at 7 p.m. with Scott Wapner. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. We only started getting a fresh wave of IPOs a couple months ago, and it already feels like maybe we're starting to run out of high-quality merchandise. Last week, when I introduced you to Royalty Pharma, the newly public company that invests in drugs developed by other operators, I explained that IPOs tend to come in cycles. The good ones come first, typically priced at bargain levels, lure you in. That royalty was a great deal. Then over time, the quality begins to decline. We went through the whole process last year. The best or at least most hype deals came in the spring. And by the time fall rolled around, we were already getting so many garbage offerings that Wall Street simply lost its appetite for IPOs. Then there was about a six-month pause before the deals came coming back. I think you were looking at the beginning of a new IPO cycle, but you know what? Now I'm actually wondering if the investment banks have already burned through all the best merchandise. Only so many quality startups you can find in six months. And we're moving on to, say, the less attractive inventory. Though some of these deals are still viable, but now they've got to start coming at the right price. What makes me say that? Simple. The stock of, well, the newly soon-to-be-minute stock of it. Albertsons, the big grocery chain, which you definitely know. It's trying to come public, but it's uh, not the first time. It's the third time. The last last couple times, it didn't exactly come off well. To be fair, though, Albertsons of today is a much better company than the one that tried to come public in 2015 and failed or 2018 and failed. Allow me to explain. 
Albertsons is a massive supermarket chain with 2,252 stores across 34 states. You might know them as Safeway or Acme or Shaw's, among other brands. They're the number one or number two grocery store by market share in 68% of the 121 metro areas where they operate. But Albertsons does not have a storied history. The company already had a debt-laden balance sheet when it was taken private by Cerberus Capital in 2006 via leverage buyout. Under Cerberus, Albertsons has become a Frankenstein's monster of a supermarket chain. 2014, they took on another mountain of debt to acquire the struggling Safeway. The very next year, Cerberus tried to take Albertsons public. There was a huge wave of IPOs in 2015, but they waited too long and only had to pull the deal. In part because the Chinese stock market crashed. In part because investors were sick and tired of all these newly minted public companies. Nobody wanted this big supermarket chain with a horrific balance sheet. Fast forward to 2018. Albertsons files to come public again via traditional IPO. They might have pulled it off that time, but then the company immediately changed course and tried to acquire Rite Aid, which was in pretty bad shape two years ago. But that merger fell apart because Rite Aid shareholders were worried about Albertsons. Talk about a vote of no confidence. Now, since they've made real improvements, though, there's some good changes here. They brought in a new CEO, Vivek Shankaran from PepsiCo. Smart. They spent billions renovating the stores and building out their new omni-channel business. They now offer delivery at the vast majority of the locations. Most importantly, they pay down a lot of their debt. When Albertsons tried to come public in 2015, its net debt stood at a colossal $12 billion, close to $12 billion. Then they brought it down to $8.7 billion as of the end of last year, which is a much more reasonable number for a company that generated $2.8 billion in earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization last year. And you know what? All these moves are working. After years of stagnating, Albertsons sales grew by more than 3% last year. 2% same-store sales growth. Not bad. Big improvement of where they were. Even better, by paying down all that debt, they've given the earnings a dramatic boost. Last year, Albertsons made $466 million. That's up from $131 million last year. And most of that increase has to do with smaller interest payments. I like that. Oh, and we know that they've been getting a major boost from COVID-19 because they just gave us a business update last week. Albertsons says they've experienced, and I quote, significant increases in customer traffic, product demand, and overall basket size in stores and its commerce business, end quote. Since the company's fiscal year started in March, that's really good. Get this. Sales for sales increased by 47% year over year in March, up 21% in April and May. That translates into 30% same store sales growth for the first quarter of the 20, uh, 2020 fiscal year. Other supermarkets have had similar. That's what happened during the pandemic. The company's margins are picking up, too. That's great. And that's in part because of better execution. I told you, I brought in new management. Thanks to all this money coming in, management said they've gotten their net debt load down to $6.7 billion by late May. Manageable. Just cleaning up that balance sheet will keep producing some tremendous earnings growth. In short, the Albertsons of today is a much better company than that of 2018 or 2015. And look, with this latest big COVID outbreak in the South and West, the supermarkets could end up getting more of a boost than you might expect. Obviously, it's temporary. It's pantry stocking. But there's a big difference between three months of insanely high sales and six or nine months of insanely high sales. Thanks to all this improvement, when Albertsons says they, they plan to pay a dividend with a target yield of 2.5%, I believe them. I love it when a company comes public with a dividend. All right, but there are still some negatives. Cerberus will remain in control of the company even after the IPO. Eh, either Cerberus sells later, putting pressure on the stock, or the public shareholders don't get a say in how the business is run. Eh, not that great. Plus, the grocery business is incredibly competitive. This is what I worry about. Lots of players with deep pockets, especially Costco and Walmart. And I think the industry could be in a tough spot once we get a COVID vaccine. But put it all together, and I think that Albertsons could be worth owning. 
But, and this is the big but that I didn't have to feel like when the great merchandise came. Now it's got to start coming at the right price. I say uh, something no more than $24, $25. It's definitely not best of breed, but it's not garbage either. So Albertsons alone would not be the kiss of death of this IPO market. The problem is we got a bunch of other not-so-hot deals coming up next week, including three development stage biotech companies, three Chinese IPOs. When I see a rush like that, it makes me think, hmm, we moved on from the great stuff. Zoom Info, Room, Royalty Pharma, Warner Music. We're headed for some good stuff where you need to sit at your desk to price merchandise to make the deal more valuable. And then, hmm, I don't know. They can do it. Hey, listen, the Cynic Desk last night praised the giant uh, T-Mobile secondary at an amazing level. Instant profits on a real bad day. You made a fortune if you bought the shares of Regeneron that Sanofi offloaded recently. And same with BlackRock when PNC let its stake go. All of those were amazing. Thank you, Syndicate Desk. So we're not at the end of the IPO cycle yet by any means. But we're you know, kind of a uh, middle. There can still be good deals. There's a fintech company, unicorn company called Snowflake, that I am totally enamored of, that I want you to get some. That's Slootman, Frank Slootman. We know him from service now. But they'll probably be uh, under, uh, won't be underpriced. It will be red hot. We're also seeing more and more low-quality merchandise starting next week, though. Bottom line, this Albertsons deal may be better than you'd expect, but I think the best part of the IPO cycle may have already come and gone, along maybe with a lot of this market. And so I'm telling you, Exercise some caution. Luke in California. Luke. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I'm 19 and I have 15000 saved in the S&P already, but I have some extra cash that I want to take a risk with since I'm young. My question is about SHLL, which is merging with Tortoise Acquisition. Since the merger was announced five days ago, it has gone up 60%. It is similar to Nikola Motors, but its technology is an add-on to the existing truck rather than purchasing a new vehicle. Lastly, it's around half the price of its competitors, Tesla and Nikola, and it's coming to the market in 2021 compared to Nikola in 2023. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, we were doing some work on SPACs, and we think that, this, that I totally understand. A 19-year-old, yes, you can speculate on that, but you're really buying something you don't even know much about. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not picking on you. I'm saying that that's a SPAC that we don't know much about. And uh, I think that good, solid growth is coming down. And it might be better to be in some good, solid growth stocks that are selling off than to go with another SPAC because you believe that the last two have been good SPACs, which they have. They've worked. Christoph in New York. Christoph. Good evening, Mr. Kramer. Good evening. For the past three months on my coronavirus walkabouts in Manhattan, I noticed a lot of blue battery-operated scooters called Rebel. So after speaking to some of the riders, I realized these scooters were politically and environmentally friendly. So I went online and found out they are produced by NIU Technologies, a recent IPO. So I took a leap of faith and bought some shares last month. What are your thoughts about that? Okay, the demand is great. Uh, that's a Chinese one. All I can say is there are many, many other of these. You're right about the story. I am not going to recommend it here because I happen to know of considerable competition in that space. All right. Now, look, we, we saw some really great IPOs, and now we're starting to get into the little more dicey area. And this one has to be priced correctly. We like it 24-25 if we think you're going to be able to do well in it. All right. Be careful out there. Much more mad money in with news that New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut are quarantining visitors from coronavirus hotspots. I'm going to talk to someone who really figured it out. The governor of Rhode Island who helped start the trend. Then, are SPACs whacking this market? Remember, I just gave you that question about SPACs. I'm going to talk about Nicola and DraftKings and issuing, a, uh, yeah, let's say, uh, red flags, some red flags, or maybe at least yellow flags. 
uh, on the, the SPAC concept. And Oil Calls Rapid Fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. With the market rolling over as COVID-19 cases soar in the South and the West, highest numbers since April, what needs to happen to solve this crisis? We know we need testing, where we've made some progress. We know we need contact tracing. Still a long way to go there. If hospitalizations keep spiking, some cities may need to go back into lockdown to prevent their healthcare systems from being overwhelmed. Most of all, though, we need a plan, a plan, a plan. So maybe we should take our cue from the states that have already done a terrific job of handling this pandemic. States like Rhode Island, which had a plan. When the Northeast was experiencing the worst outbreak in the world, Rhode Island managed to keep things contained. How'd they do it? Let's check in with Gina Raimondo. She's the governor of Rhode Island. To get a better sense of what the country needs to do to get back on track. Governor Raimondo, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be here. All right, so, Governor, you did a remarkable job taking control of the situation. Give us a couple of bullets of how you were able to do it, uh, including your involvement with the private sector that really helped. Yeah. Well, you're kind to say it was remarkable. It was really just a quick reaction to a crisis. But I think that the core of what we did was innovation, speed, and focus on the facts and practical, concrete solutions. Like you said, a plan. Um, And I have relied heavily on public-private partnerships, uh, extensively. I mean, one of the first partnerships I had was with Salesforce to do our contact tracing, so it could be quickly. Their software is fantastic to do that. Partnered with CVS Health, which is headquartered right here in Rhode Island, to do testing, uh, which has been a huge success. Partnered with SurveyMonkey, which is a company that does surveys, which gives us data so we can stay ahead of it. Partner with Infosys to help us do an app, a Crush COVID Rhode Island app for every Rhode Islander to download. So we've been all about innovation. In, I would say innovation is the reason that Rhode Island is in such a great position. Now, you're in such a great position that I was thinking, are you willing to say right now that you would not welcome people, say, from Florida and Texas or other hotspots the way uh, governors in the tri-state area said today? You know, I think it's a reasonable thing what we're doing. So let me give you a picture here, Jim. Rhode Island was nestled between New York and Boston, two hot spots. We are the second most densely populated state in the country. We were among the hardest hit in America. And so we had to get into action. Today, we are the only state in America that has tested more than 20% of our population And our test positive rate is less than 2%. I've opened this economy two months ago, and we're still seeing a decline in cases. So are you asking me, am I nervous about people coming from places that have a test positive rate or 10 or 15% to our state? Of course I am. And so I'm thinking about either limiting travel or having mandatory testing for people who come from a a hotspot or possibly quarantining. I haven't decided yet exactly how to do this because I want it to be practical and enforceable. But you better believe I'm worried about it because we've worked incredibly hard and I don't want to go backwards. Well, I know the New York Times showed that you had zero new ones on the 20th, zero on the 21st. Uh, The 22nd, though, you had 122 and 23rd, 74. And I was actually wondering whether that was people fleeing from states where they are afraid going to the state that's the best. 
You know, it's interesting. Very early on in this crisis, I took a, what some would say, heavy-handed approach. I actually used our National Guard to monitor cars coming in from other states, including New York, to ask them to go into quarantine if they were coming from a place like New York City that was a hotspot. And I did take a little flack at that time for that approach. But the truth of it is, like I've said, Rhode Island's the only state in America where we've tested 20% of the population. Hospitalizations are going down. Business has been open for months. And I have to do everything that I need to in order to keep commerce flowing in my state without hospitalizations going through the roof. All right, well, let's speak about everything you need to. Uh, we all wear masks here. I get uh, my I get my temperature checked every day and put my band on proudly when I've got a 98.6. Can I walk around in uh, your stores without a mask? No, you cannot. I would you're welcome to come. But you yes, you know, you have to wear a mask. We have mandatory mask wearing and by and large people are complying. I give a huge shout out shout out and a big thank you to the people of Rhode Island. We do inspections every weekend of restaurants, gyms, retail shops. We're seeing 90 plus percent compliance with mask wearing. And it's a bit of a hassle. It's a change, but it really works. All right. Just talk about how do you get 95 percent of the people uh, contact traced? Oh, you work at it. Like I said, some of it is embracing innovation. Our partnership with um, Mark Benioff and his team at Salesforce has been a game changer for us. Uh, We have all of our labs entering their information immediately into the Salesforce-powered system. We have a huge team of well over 100 people full-time doing nothing but contact tracing. And we have, a, we have very serious protocols around outbreaks. We define an outbreak at any facility, any workplace, as two or more people who have tested positive that are linked. If that happens, we get our team out to that facility. We have rapid testing of everyone, get everyone into isolation and contact tracing. So it, it's really what you said. Honestly, Jim, this isn't magic. This is good execution of a plan because I never again want to shut this economy down. Right, so I vowed to the people of Rhode Island we would reopen once. All right, how about you or I? How about Brown? How about RISD? I, want, I hope they all come back to school. I think they can do it. I've, in fact, just yesterday I was talking with some college presidents. We're holding their hand, helping them, providing support for them with testing and contact tracing so they can go back to school responsibly. Uh, They have to figure out, obviously, they have a challenge with international students. But I've said we're sending our kids back to the K-12 public schools. I want them going back to school in the fall. We've said August 31st. And I do think it's all possible if people wear their masks, we keep doing our testing, we're responsible and stay socially distanced. Well, so you've really, I mean, I I imagine if I live there, it's kind of like, Normal, because you had a plan, because you're a venture capitalist, because you're a business person, uh, you work with Mark Benioff. I'm not kidding. I feel like we're planless in this country, completely planless, whether it be Dr. Fauci, whether it be the president, whether it be the CDC, whether it be the Surgeon General. We're we're planless. you got a plan. Yeah, it's true. Also, you left something out. I'm a mother. Any working mom knows you need a plan to get through the day. It's, it's a checklist. You don't mess around. You have people to take care of. Be practical. 
innovate, partnerships, get it done for the people you serve. I, all I can say is congratulations. And it is a great pleasure to have you on. Governor Raimondo. You're, really you're kind to have me. Thank you. That's Governor Gene Raimondo of Rhode Island. Uh, hey, you know what? A plan is what we really need. And money's back after the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Daddy, over the light round. Here's what I might start with. Ken in Delaware. Ken. Hey, Jim. An indubitable booyah from Rehoboth, Delaware. How Liking are you? that. Liking that a lot. Love Rehoboth. Nicole, good pizza. Oh, What's up? Great. Hey, big fan of yours for a billion years. I watched this morning, noon, and night. Cracked me up today when you almost felt when your face falling off your chair. I did fall off my chair. I hurt my back. Won't be able to work out with Jim no, tomorrow as well as I'd like. What's up? <laughs> I'm calling about Marriott Vacation Court. BAC. You know, we had them on last week. I thought they told a pretty good story. I think the timeshare business is actually a good one. Look, am I jumping up and down about anything involving hospitality and leisure? No. But, you know, when they come down or you get it out of COVID, it finally runs out. It'd be pretty good. Let's go to Mike in New York. Mike. Hi, booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. Uh, Mike from upstate New York. All right. Uh, my stock is ZI, Info Technology. I like any company that makes sales easier and better, and that's one of them. Let's go to Victor in Ohio. Victor. Hey, Jim, how you doing? This is Victor Valveman, Columbus, Ohio, Action Alerts Plus member. Go get them. Hey, Jimmy, just want to give a big shout-out and a big Buckeye booyah. And appreciate all your help with your COVID-19 in- index. Made some money. Thank you. Great advice. Thank you. You know, we got the, the uh, big five there going with the action alerts ever since when they were the little five we were buying them. What's going on? So, Jimmy, you've been talking about it for a couple days. Time to pull back. I want to realize some gains. I need you to back me off the ledge. I want to back up the truck, and I want to buy H&R Block, and there's three reasons why. Three? I got four million reasons why not. I think that may be better than that to be Trump yours. We're not going to do it. We like him to it. Come on. He's actually the worst guy. I'm going to have to, well, move to the next, I guess. That's what happened there. Hey, okay. Let's go to John in Texas. John. Hey, Booyah, Jimmy C. No. Hey, listen, glad, glad to hear you got your restaurant open. Oh, you know, my God. We got tables outside in the, the street. Anyway. Very exciting. Longshoreman, what's up? Listen, thanks for all the hours you put in helping us guys make some extra My pleasure. I'm with every minute now. There. Kind of unnerving. What's going on? <laughs> uh, question. What's your take on Ulta? I mean, you know what? I've got to tell you, I, I was thinking a lot about Ulta last night and realizing that because of Zoom, because of Zoom, everybody's worried about how they look because you look awful in Zoom. Because of mass, everybody has pimple outbreak like me right here. i got a really bad one. Uh, and so what, what you have is you have Ulta. So you got Zoom. And you got pimples, that equals Ulta for cleansing and for making your face look better. So I am all in. I think Mary Dillis did a great job. Yes, buy Ulta. How about, is that, it's my thesis. Let's buy Adam, let's buy Adam in North Carolina. Adam. Jimmy Jim, how's it going, buddy? Having a real Blue good y'all. day. What's going on with you? I'm having, a great, I'm having a great day. My question is, workhorse. 
You know what? I'm a show horse, I guess, compared to workhorse. All right, this is another. Can I? I have to. I have to do workhorse. It's a battery electric vehicle powered. You know, hydrogen. This that's not really hydrogen. I have to do more more EV. I have to come back. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. After the chalacking we took today, I want to circle back to something that's bothering me about this market. It's not one of those minor irritants that wouldn't be a big deal on its own. But right now, they're kind of a lot of developing. One minor irritation you can ignore, a bunch of minor irritations, maybe you got to see the doctor. We have the Fed on our side. We have ultra-low interest rates that make stocks very attractive. But as I mentioned before, we've also got a lot of speculative money sloshing around from foreign investors, mostly Europeans, mutual fund managers who are growth momo guys. That's right. They would care about momentum. And amateur traders who love chasing momentum, too. Earlier tonight, I highlighted the coming deluge of not-so-hot IPOs. So what else is happening? Well, what else is bothering me? All these special purpose acquisition vehicles, or SPACs. Now, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but a lot's changed since then. It's worth revisiting. Special purpose acquisition companies, or SPACs for short, are public companies that are formed to buy other businesses. They start out as a big pile of cash with a trusted manager. Then either uh, make a series of small acquisitions, or as we've seen lately, they do a huge one. Lately, there's been a lot of money flowing into these SPACs, and we keep seeing one-off deals. This spring, a SPAC merged with DraftKings the fantasy sporting's bet site. And earlier this month, another one combined with Nikola. That's an incredibly speculative play on hydrogen fuel cell-powered trucks that is just loved by my Twitter followers. After both these deals were announced, the SPACs doing their buying saw their stocks fly into the stratosphere. That kind of, kind of action, well, it's, while terrific for the people who were able to ring the register, does get me worried that the market's getting too frothy. Since then, the broad stock market has pulled back from its highs, but these SPACs, they haven't really cooled off. Good sign. Even today, a Nikola and DraftKings held up pretty well, with both down over, just over 1%. At this point, I think these SPACs though, have jumped the shark. In a market that feels increasingly precarious with COVID on the rise again, they're some of the riskiest stocks around. You have some huge gains in DraftKings or Nickel if you own them. So I'm urging you to ring the register on some because, well, these are two of the most speculative stocks. No. Why? Okay, let's take them one by one. Start with DraftKings. Kaylee, I am a huge fan of DraftKings, the business, which came public via a merger with a SPAC called Diamond Eagle back in April. After the deal was announced, Diamond Eagle ran from 10 to 17, and then it took the name DraftKings, and it's been a juggernaut. We've had them on the show, and I thought they told a great story, which is why we recommended this stock heavily at 29 in mid-May. Three weeks ago, though, I told you that the stock had gotten pretty hot, suggested bringing the register on some. It was at 40, now it's at 37. My reasoning was pretty simple. As much as I like DraftKings as a sports betting play, especially now that sports may be coming back, these SPACs uh, that do one big deal tend to see their stock spike right out of the gate, and that spike uh, doesn't always last. In part, that's because when a stock doubles in a matter of months, management will take advantage of it by selling some stock. DraftKings did a secondary offering of $40 a share last week, now down more than 6% from those levels. At the end of the day, this is a quality company with a stock that simply got too expensive if sports don't come back soon. And seeing all these new COVID hotspots with states quarantining other states, well, then maybe it could be a tough stock to own after this big run. Nikola's another story. 
This is a company with no products, no sales. They're working on an electric uh, truck for next year with the ultimate goal of getting a hydrogen fuel cell powered truck on the market by 2023. That would be fabulous. However, I was instantly skeptical of this one because uh, periodically people get very excited about these what I call hydrogen fuel cell stories. And and they tend to pan out. Now, the last time I brought this back, uh, brought this up, a SPAC called Vecto IQ was about to merge with Nikola. Vecto IQ had already run from 10 to 31, but I told you it would jump Big again at the deal because there was so much hype around the thing. Eventually, though, I warn you that Nikola would give up some of its gains because it has no sales or earnings. And you're just betting on hopes and dreams. Again, Twitter followers, I love beautiful hopes and dreams, and I want you to make a ton of money. Okay, but sure enough, Nikola exploded higher right out of the gate, surging in 94 in its highs a couple weeks ago. That was the money. Then the market sold off and Nikola pulled back to the low 60s before rebounding to 74s of today. Again, I think it's headed lower ultimately I can't, because I can't justify a $27 billion market cap here unless they start doing something. What makes me really nervous, though, is that both DraftKings and Nikola announced sizable secondary offerings last week. DraftKings sold some stock. That's good. And existing shareholders some, some, sold some stock. Eh, not good. DraftKings initially wanted to sell 33 million shares, but there was so much demand, they upsized the deal to 40 million and $40 per share, with more than half coming from existing shareholders. Mm, that's 1.16. That's 1.6 billion that they could change. How about Nikola? This one's kind of weird. They announced a 77 million share secondary on June 15th, more than 53 million shares coming from the existing shareholders. However, it's now nine days later and it still hasn't, still hasn't done, hasn't priced. We know it's still coming, but we have no idea how much demand there might be. That said, we do know DraftKings jumped right to the secondary before coming right back down. So that could happen again. The fervor for Nikola with its $10 billion order book of sales is amazing. Now, the concept is fabulous in theory. But it's a very speculative stock, although the people who own it don't think that. A lot of people think it's like a blue chip. It's not. Here's the issue. The insiders who know these facts best are ringing the register already. These people know much more about the situation than we do, and they've decided to, it's time to leave. In fact, most of the selling shareholders are selling their entire position. That is not a good sign. Remember, both DraftKings and Nikola were basically purchased by special purpose acquisition companies in the very recent past. The original shareholders worked out what, the, what, what their piece of the combined enterprise would be worth when they went, went out, a few months, uh, out a few months, or in the case of Nikola, two weeks after the merger. Well, I don't know. I think they're telling you something, right? They're saying something here with these sales, but it's not just these two companies. In the last few weeks, we've seen an explosion of interest in special purpose acquisition companies. According to SPAC Insider, there have been 33 of these deals so far in 2020, which have collected a total of $10.5 billion. That's already 77% of what these vehicles raised in the whole of 2019. According to SPAC Research, another site that tracks these things, there are 111 active SPACs out there sitting on roughly $27 billion. I ought to get a SPAC. I mean, everyone should have a SPAC. Uh, you now, some of these are making some moves. For instance, on June 5th, UTZ, yeah, that's UTZ, the privately held chip and pretzel company, announced that it's coming public via a merger with SPAC called Collier Creek. That could be interesting. A week later, we will learn that Forum Mergers 2, combining with Itala International, the company behind the Love Tattooed Chef plant-based foods brand, a deal that my Twitter followers have fallen in love with, is going to be happening. Last Friday, Tortoise Acquisition, the cleverly tickered shell that was asked about earlier by a 19-year-old caller, told us that it's buying Hillion, uh, which is working on hybrid and electric powertrain solutions for trucks. Sounds a lot like Nikola. These deals are everywhere now. Earlier this week, Bill Ackman, the big-name activist hedge fund manager, revealed his plans for a $3 billion special purpose acquisition company IPO, which would be the largest ever. Now, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with SPACs in theory. 
they work great, especially when they're operating as roll-ups like Restaurant Brands, the parent of Burger King and Tim Hortons. And it started life as a, a SPAC called Justice Holdings. And Bill Ackman knows how to do these things. Martin Franklin's made money for shareholders. I mean, it's not a bad thing. But the bottom line, all this money flowing into the previously obscure SPAC universe has got me thinking that there's some froth here which is why I keep telling you you got to get a little more defensive. Notice I'm not saying there's a ton of froth and you got to sell everything. I'm not saying that. They are signs historically of tops, even as the liquidity, the yield versus bonds, the secular growth, and the great tech revolution give you plenty of things to own if the market keeps rolling over. All I am saying is that these are warning signs. They are not sell everything. Stick with credit. Selling is not a dirty word. It's okay. We're trying to trim back some for ActionAlertsPlus.com, my charitable trust. It's hard. We have a lot of good stocks. Just feel like you need some cash. Don't like a lot of things that we see. It's okay. Sometimes that happens. It's not always perfect. And we just had a very, very big run. It's not like I'm coming at you all the way down there when a lot of those big-time hedge fund managers did. I'm coming at you after we just had had the best quarter since 99. That's not so bad. Yeah, but the program... Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just for you, right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day, clearly and concisely, in context and with perspective, and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.